All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, and we are finding some very, very interesting gold mining issues right now that I'll be telling my subscribers about in the coming weeks, and uh, and sometimes I'll be explaining and passing along to you here on this radio show as well. I should mention, as I always do, that my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying and What is Chen Selling, and by the way, Chen will be with me in the second hour of today's show to talk about some of his favorite picks. You do need to, uh, if you'd like to sign up for Chen's newsletter, you do need to go to miningstocks.com, put your name on a waiting list, and uh, at the beginning of each calendar quarter, Chen uh, does accept a set number of new subscribers. So miningstocks.com for Chen or for my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Caden Resources, Ganey Capital Corp., Wellgreen Platinum, and Cornerstone Capital. I've titled today's show, Winning Investment Strategies for These Troubled Times. Now, for the masses of Americans who I think are basically being kept down on the mushroom farm uh, by the establishment, I think the future will be extremely shocking and there will be problems beyond comprehension for most people. But for people who have listened to this show and other shows like it, and for those who do not buy into the mainstream propaganda shaped by mass media, the art of which was really formed by Edward Bernays, uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew, long about the uh, early 1900s. Well, for people who are aware and not buying into uh, the mushroom farm uh, propaganda, what is to come will not, be sh- will not be nearly as shocking. And in fact, I think may provide the potential for massive wealth creation beyond uh, the wildest dreams. Now, not only wealth on this earth, I would suggest, but through eternity for those who understand that you and I are not accidents but have a purpose in life designed by the creator of the universe. What comes as good things in this world, we are grateful to our creator for, but for those who believe in the creator of the universe and his promises, the hope of the future goes well beyond the brief 70 to 100 years that we live here on this earth. So in other words, I believe the best is yet to come for those who understand uh, and respect and worship the Creator. Uh, 
But for now, of course, we have to focus on the here and now. So today, in just a few minutes, I will be talking to Ivan Bebek, who has done a masterful job of building wealth for the shareholders of Caden Resources, and I'm happy to say I am one of them, and my subscribers, many of them also have purchased shares of Caden Resources. As a sponsor of the show, Caden Resources, and Ivan, uh, well, Ivan's been with me before as the CEO of Caden, uh, but today he has some really good news to share with us, and that news has to do with the acquisition of Ag Eagle Eagle uh, of Caden Resources by Agnigal Eagle uh, at a substantial premium over the average price of that stock over the past 60 uh, days. Now, Ivan will be with me, as I said, in, after our first commercial break uh, in just a couple of minutes. Following Ivan, uh, John Kaiser will be with me. John has some fascinating ideas in the investment world. He is a very creative thinker and one I always enjoy speaking with, even though he and I are not always in agreement on many issues, but John has a very stimulating intellect, and uh, he and I have had many a conversations over glasses of wine in the past at various investment conferences. I really enjoy John a lot, and I think you will too. Uh, his own ideas about the world and what is happening, uh, certainly not necessarily in sync with my own, uh, but really a great guy, and I look forward to hearing what he has to say and some of his top picks uh, today as well. With regard to what is happening in the world now, well, my brother Roger, who is traveling in China for business, sent along a very interesting essay written by a Chinese person titled, quote, Britain is fully preparing for the yuan to be the next global reserve currency, end of quote. Well, certainly the United States, which is pushing its military over the face of the earth, trying to seal off China and Russia and force both countries into submission to the Anglo-American empire, is running into some serious obstacles. There's no doubt about that, I think. And not the least of which those serious obstacles are the enormous indebtedness, essentially a bankrupt Western world caused by Keynesian economic policies. Now, Russia and China are not happy about being told that they have to answer to the West. They have to submit to the West. No, they're not happy about that at all. And they've been making uh, noise about this, suggesting that they have not gotten their fair shake at the IMF and the World Bank, etc. Well, those are the, po- the uh, spoils of the post-World War II, spoils of the Western world, and quite frankly, the Western world isn't interested in giving Russia and China a fair shake and, even, uh, and an even say in the world and what's going on. So the Russians and the Chinese and the BRIC countries are setting up their own uh, financial system to protect their own interests. And so uh, I think that uh, you know, that is really what is at the heart of uh, the artificial claims against Putin in the Ukraine. I mean, it's really, uh, we talk to Daniel McAdams on a regular basis on this show, uh, and Daniel provides us with information about what is really going on in the Ukraine and in the Western world and our propaganda machine uh, that is uh, that is really keeping people, as I say, down on the mushroom farm, not only uh, in geopolitics, but of course, and first and foremost, with respect to the uh, the, glo- the U.S. economy, which is certainly not anything uh, doing ne- anything nearly as well as the establishment would have us believe it is. Well, unfortunately, Daniel won't be with us today. He's on his way traveling to Washington for a conference. Um, but uh, David Jensen will be with me in the second hour uh, to talk about the bastardized and manipulated London and New York metals markets that are being used as a manipulation ploy uh, to keep the Americans, from, American people really, from swapping their worthless dollars into real money gold. Because as Alan Greenspan understood and spoke so eloquently in his 1966 uh, uh, essay that he wrote for Ayn Rand's 
a newsletter. Golden Economic Freedom was the name of that uh, publication uh, of that particular essay. Alan Greenspan understood that if the American people really really wanted gold, that it would be game over for the socialist fascist state. And so we have to keep people down on the mushroom farm, keep them ignorant about what their money is really worth, uh, and keep them conned into buying into the Anglo-American empire's propaganda. But as I say, the Chinese and Russians are not easily manipulated, uh, and they are not as easily dumbed down as Americans are these days. And so I believe we are facing some enormous confrontations globally in the not-too-distant future, and David Jensen will be with me in the second hour uh, at uh, jtaylormedia.com to talk about that. And finally, also in the second hour, I'm delighted to say that Chen Lin will be joining me to talk about some of his favorite stock picks in the biotech, energy, and gold uh, sectors. And Chen has been an exceptionally successful investor, so I'm sure you won't want to miss what he has to say during the second hour. And by the way, he'll have some insights, I believe, that are very unique and very helpful uh, with respect to his native country, China, as Chen has grown up in uh, Beijing. So Chen and David will join me at J. Taylor Media at 4 o'clock p.m. today. And uh, speaking, uh, as I mentioned, Chen has been extremely successful, so you'll you'll certainly want to hear what he has to say. But speaking of success, we do have to go to commercial break now. But when I come back, I will be talking to Ivan Bebek, who has helped his shareholders reap a gain of over 140% so far this year. His company, Caden Resources, has just agreed to a takeover by Agnigal Eagle, uh, so you'll want to hear what Ivan has to say, not only about what he's doing now, but I think into the future he's been a remarkably successful CEO, a very young man yet, and I think Ivan Bebek has an awful lot more to offer. So don't go away. We're going to be right back after a commercial break with Ivan Bebek. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host Jay Taylor. 
you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Ivan Bebek of Caden Resources. Caden Resources trades in the Toronto Exchange under the symbol CYD, and it trades in the United States under the over-the-counter market under the symbol CDKNF, and uh, that's where I purchase my shares, and I can tell you I'm a very happy shareholder today and uh, for reasons that will become apparent to you who, uh, who may not be familiar with the Caden Resource story in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Ivan Bebek will tell us all about it, but... The company has 49.8 million shares, roughly speaking, outstanding. I saw earlier today trading at $3.15. I picked it up in my newsletter at $1.26 or something like that. So my subscribers are quite happy for the most part. Market cap of $157 million, but the real story here is that Agneagle Eagle uh, has made a friendly offer to buy out Caden Resources, and that's that it's something like a 52% premium over the average share price over the last 60-day period. Well, welcome, uh, Ivan. It's really good to have you back with me again. Thanks, uh, Jay. Thank you very much for having me on the show uh, now, and um, I'm really glad we met when we did, and you uh, took a, a, an interest in us uh, both as an investment and as an expert opinion because uh, you really do have a, have a good eye for, for good assets and good management. Uh, a lot of our earlier discussions, you complimented certain things about the company that were being done very well and related into a very successful deal, which we're very happy about for our shareholders. And so thanks again. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ivan. And I I can tell our listeners that, you know, there are a few CEOs that I have come in contact with over the many years that I've been involved in this sector. Uh, Probably Ivan was a a grade school kid, if that, when I first started covering this sector. And the one thing that runs, the common thread that runs through successful CEOs, and Ivan is one of them, is the ability not to be so egotistical that you can't give credit to other people and the ability also to see the big picture and what is needed to shape up a company and to develop a gold mining company, for example, or whatever the sector is, but especially in the mining sector. It's a very difficult sector, and the amount of the different uh, uh, different kinds of talents that you need and skill sets you, that you need to make a company really work and successful uh, is very broad. And Ivan, I congratulate you on your ability to pull together a strong team with that diverse uh, skill set and also your ability. I think one of the most important things is the financial expertise that you bring into this market and into your companies because uh, the ability to finance these companies and to structure the financial structure of these companies is essential uh, to uh, to building a company, raising the capital that's needed to put in the ground. And so congratulations. Well, you know, it's the news came across, of course, last week, I guess it was, uh, that uh, that Caden, that Agneagle Eagle and you, Caden, has agreed to a takeover. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about, uh, tell, our, tell our listeners about the deal, if you would? Sure, sure, absolutely. And uh, you know, I'll get right into it. Um, it's, it's a ratio deal, and, and I think a lot of shareholders aren't quite familiar with what the ratio means. Um, each Caden shareholder will get 0.09 Agneco shares for each shares that they own of, of Caden, and plus they'll get a, a one cent uh, cash component, which is primarily for tax reasons with Canadian investors. But the ratio is important to us. Um, Jay, we didn't want to sell this summer. It 
the deal came as a surprise, although you know a lot of companies were looking at our asset and, and we knew we were onto a, a really spectacular project and uh, you know I think Technica will do very well with it post, post our hand. but um, ultimately the ratio gives our shareholders a chance to reap the benefits of, of a better gold market which we think we're heading into so we get to enjoy uh, being long the gold space and, and what that means if you have you know um, a share of Caden today it's worth about 350 under the current ratio as you pointed out earlier but if Technica goes halfway back to its old high of about $100 a share if we go halfway back towards that we're at about $70 Zignico per share, it would be $6.30 Caden. And the real mm-hmm. time, time frame to experience that, that conversion or that price ratio and that, that valuation would probably be in, in about, I think the market could turn in the next, within the next 12 months. If we did not sell to Agnico today and we kept drilling and financing and working on our project, we'd have a lot of exploration risks to carry forward and we'd be absolutely in, in the market risk category. And, you know, we'd probably get up to the, the $6 range. I'd be very bullish that we could achieve that from the project, but we wouldn't have an immediate sale to, to give our shareholders and alleviate all the risk that's involved with, mm-hmm. with exploring, right? So we made a, a decision as a management team on, a, on a, what we thought was a very fair offer and we, we absolutely support it. Um, and it doesn't mean that another bidder couldn't come into it before the vote on October 27th, but it means that the, the Caden shareholders will get to rise with the Gnico share price. So there's really no set price on the deal ever because it's a ratio, it's a set ratio, and you know it could go a lot higher than it currently is, and that's something that was important to us because you know, although we're in, in, a, in the gold market in a bad space, we think it will improve but we know our shareholders will get the benefits of owning Agnico shares going forward. And I personally am going to hold on to my Agnico shares as long as I can, you know, without obvious needs for, for money and, and taxes and whatnot, but um, for the sake of experiencing a lot more growth. And I think, you know, I think we've done a great deal. I think you, you've done a great deal too. I must say, uh, though, when I first looked at it, I was a little disappointed because I, I thought that longer term that you had a chance for much bigger numbers. But I should mention to my listeners uh, that you managed this, uh, that this takeover was offered to you before you even had a 43101 resource. Yeah, you know, so that's, you, that's, that's at, I think that, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. If you look at the facts there, we got offered $205 million on a company that doesn't have an actual resource and in a market that's extremely challenging as they've seen across everyone's portfolio with the exception of Caden shareholdings um, in the last few weeks even. It's, it's been very punishing and I think that the deal is, is, is a very appealing deal at this stage of the company. Yes, it's hard to let go of the upside, but they're paying for the upside and, and they have to get something of what they're paying for. Um, you know, in our previous company, Keegan Resources, we went up to $9 per share and we, we weren't as fortunate to sell the company. And the problem with that type of a performance in a company is only certain investors win, the ones who sold at that price. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very biased investor in companies because I believe in them. And we never know when the perfect time is to sell. You don't know mm-hmm. how many ounces are going to be there. And when a takeover like this happens, you know, now you get the opportunity for that decision to be made for you. So everyone is going to win who owns shares of our company. And then the second part of it is, you know, owning shares of Agnico going forward, you'll get a continued win. And that's, that's what made it very tenable for us to consider um, the takeover, you know, at this stage. And, uh, you know, we're happy with it. Let's go over a little bit what you did at Caden. Now, you, you mentioned a $205 million uh, payment for your asset without, before you even, uh, before you even uh, calculated or, or derived a, a 43101 resource. But, you know, what, what did you pay for that property that, that is essentially the flagship property of, of Caden? 
Yeah, we we paid um, we acquired it for an eight million dollar deal over three years and a four million dollar mm-hmm. work commitment in that time period. And mm-hmm. so when we acquired it, um, you know, turning eight million dollars as an investment into two hundred million, which is really a moving target. But for the sake of the deal, that when we agreed to it, those were the numbers. Um, you know, that's that's a great return on our investment for our shareholders. And uh, you know, I think that's 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 a very important point to bring up because um, you know it wasn't cheap in the markets we were in, but at the same time, uh, neither was the sale price. It was it was a very fair price for us. Now. Uh Agneagle Eagle, I have to say that it's uh, the only major company that's on my list right now. So I'm a little biased towards Agneagle Eagle as well. One of the things that I recall about Agneagle Eagle is they've always been very concerned about margins, profit margins, unlike some of their bigger brothers who have really been more sort of, I don't know really know what their motivations were, but a lot of very egotistical maybe uh, to, to become the biggest gold mining company. And I know the philosophy of Agni Legal has always been, well, let's remain profitable. Let's remain as profitable as we can. Forget being the biggest. Uh, and so it's a company that I've liked a lot, but clearly uh, from what you're saying, you must think very highly of Agni Legal as well. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I liked them before they approached us in the deal. And I was, you know, as a a guy who's building junior resource and speculative investments, you always think about what major would you like to own in your portfolio if you were to go weighted on the major side and the, or the, the larger companies. And Agnico was on the top of my list before we even had our interaction with them. And you know, for the points you've mentioned, and they have a relatively uh, tight share structure compared to the other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, they have a very high beta on their share price, meaning they trade with, with ahead of the market or they move really well with the market and that can work for you and against you. But at this point of the market, I think things will get better. So we're headed towards a, a better market. And uh, to me, you know, I, I made the comment internally to my colleagues that if, if we had received the cash offer from a third party, somebody else, I'd have likely, um, you know, put that cash into investing into Nico Eagle independent of this transaction. So, you know, it's a really outstanding team that they have, and we've obviously got to experience it corporately. And they have a very, very healthy corporate culture, and I think they, they're going to have one of the best growth portfolios in the coming years. And that's a big testament to uh, what they've done with their management team, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great company. Yeah, it is a, has been a very successful company. Of course, they just recently agreed to uh, that Osisco deal as well, uh, which uh, which will probably allow them to grow very substantially uh, as well. I believe so. Yeah, I think there's a lot of growth ahead for them, and that's what we understand we're hearing. And um, and I think that's where you want to be as an, a well-run, bigger company. It's got about six or seven major producing mines and uh, or significant mines and. They're headed towards uh, a lot more growth in, in a market that hopefully is, is rising in, in everyone's favor. And I think, um, you know, looking back to their old highs and the higher share prices they've appreciated, if we ever see those 1500 to $2,000 gold again, I think if shareholders stay long, they'll, they'll get a chance to see uh, much higher prices on, on this deal. And um, so a great deal with a great company, and um, they made it very, very good for us uh, and easier for us to negotiate with, you know, getting towards a, a ratio and getting shares versus cash. I think our shareholders will uh, will enjoy the, the the lack of risk and the and the growth ahead for their shareholders. Yeah, I certainly believe uh, and of the and am of the mind that having a a good blue chip type of gold producer amongst your portfolio of, of junior shares makes a lot of sense. Well, Ivan, you know you're you've had two successes already. You're you're still a very young man. Uh, I can't imagine that you're ready to go out and uh, you know and hang them up and play golf and listen to the birds chirp. 
uh, out on the fairway. I, I would imagine that you must have some other ideas in mind. You've had two successes in a very short period of time. You must have your eyes on some other goals. Or what are you planning to do next? Yeah, well, that's a, a great question, and we have a really outstanding technical team, and, and the whole team of the company is it's strong. It's, it's an amazing group, and I'd say we have great corporate culture within our team, and you know the the way we work well together and the expertise of everyone on the team is what really drives and, and gets these kind of results out of our companies. And we're, we're very young as far as uh, the average mean of mining companies, but we'll take a small break and uh, we're going to go look to do it again. You know, as I said previously to starting Caden, when we did Keegan, we learned a lot along the way and we've learned a lot more with, with Caden. And I think you're always learning, but your product gets better and better for shareholders. In our group of companies, we have a company right now called Orange Resources, the symbols AUG in Vancouver. And my partner, Sean Wallace, who's been a partner with me from Keegan through Caden and, and everything we've done, he's going to be um, spearheading that company as a CEO and, and looking to do what we did with Caden. Um, the Caden team is definitely involved, but um, you know, it's, uh, th- this will be Sean's, Sean's turn, per se. And I, I think he's on to uh, a, a significant, or we are on to a significant acquisition, hopefully by the end of this year. And it'll be something that's district scale and, and have the opportunity to drive into what Caden has. And that's, that's our model is look for big projects with, um, excellent, uh, mining jurisdictions and, uh, something that could potentially deliver, you know, a big end result being a takeover or a very significant mine. In terms of, um, the rest of the Caden team and, and everyone else, once they're back from, from taking some time off, you know, probably sometime later next year, you know, we're going to be patient. But we're going to look for um, for something really, really aggressive uh, to go after in terms of the exploration business, and we're going to keep going. Go look for another major gold mine. Well, I'll certainly be uh, wanting to keep in touch with you, Ivan, for sure. AUG is a symbol, and so uh, we'll keep that on the radar screen and, and try to keep up with what you're doing. Before you leave, though, I do have to pass along a, a comment or two from a subscriber of mine who is also an investor and his complaint, he says, uh, he, he raises this question. He says, why is Caden being sold for a pittance against the backdrop of its continued excellent drill results uh, and rising share price, even in a crappy gold market? Uh, he says, not, you don't, they don't even have, they, it's not even a, a single mine, but a district. Uh, it, has it been shopped around? Have you shopped it around? He wants to know. Uh, and does Mr. Bebek realize what his, this company might fetch when the price of gold turns around again? Now, I think you've sort of covered those issues already, Ivan, uh, but maybe just for the sake of this investor, uh, maybe you would just like to address some of those points again. Sure, and um, I think the one word that the investors left out is the word potential, and um, mm-hmm. it's a big word in, in our in our company with our asset <laughs> and where it's at right now. There's potentially a district. There's potentially all these deposits, and you know the main offer was, was one that was mixed. You know we weren't shopping it around, um, but um, you know you always keep your options open so you can maximize value for your shareholders. And you know I think. That, the word potential is, is a fine balance between there being a mine and the word potential. And uh, it takes a long time and a lot of money, a lot of risk to get to the mine. And, you know, you have to make a call when an offer comes on the table. And this one was uh, was a very generous one towards the state of the, the company is in, in terms of the current market conditions. That would have been hard to uh, to turn down. You know, I couldn't see a reason 
that or, or where we would be successful turning it down and um, you know and looking at it as a ratio it made it very easy for us to what I said before appreciate a future value so you know I'd ask your shareholder if we end up getting seven or eight dollars per share in a turned around bull market when the equity share price goes up was that was that a better deal for us and mm-hmm. um, you know there still is the question what if this never becomes a mine sure and now um, and that's a big one and I think people have to understand there's there's a fine line and it's a balance in a tough market and lower market conditions, you're not going to get the premium that you maybe feel you deserve, but getting the ratio we think um, really gives shareholders a chance to enjoy a lot more than the, the 350 we're getting per share today. So, you know, realistically, I think in a year from now, hopefully, your gold market, I think you're looking at a you know, 5 to $7 share price, you're doing a lot better, but have no more risk. And um, vice versa, if we a year out from now and there's some type of issue with, with anything from, you know, local communities or Mexico or, you know, world events or what have you, sure. I, th- I think that, um, and I don't suspect any of those things in the near term at all, but if anything can go wrong, then you, you may be back down to a dollar per share. And, and you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very valuable or a very important question he asked, and it's something we deal with a lot, but sure. I think that... The compliments I'm receiving via a lot of other mining companies and people in the space is very, very complimentary. And um, for me, it makes it a lot easier to consider and support this fully is uh, because of the ratio. And that's, I'm going to hang on that a lot because, um, you know, if you hold your shares for the time you were planning to hold Caden, you'll get more for them is, is our strong belief. Well, I, I have no doubt about that. You know, the bird in the hand uh, is worth two in the bush, as they say, and I don't know how Absolutely. many times over the years I have uh, sort of held out for higher prices and have been sorry after the fact. I, I'm very bullish on the gold mining sector, ultimately, but your point is well taken. I mean, this is a highly risky business, and when you can run off with uh, with a value like that in an established mining company, uh, the shares of which are highly liquid and people can cash out any time they want, then I think it's uh, it, it makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, and I want to thank you very much, Ivan, for being with us. We are out of time, uh, but you, I look forward to talking to you sometime in the near future about uh, your new endeavor, symbol AUG. Perfect. I will keep in touch, and thank you very much, and thanks to all your shareholders for their support. We very much appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ivan. Well, thank folks, you, that's all the time we have for the first segment, but uh, don't go away because John Kaiser will be joining me. John always has some very interesting stock stories to relate to us, so I'm sure you won't want to miss what he has to say. So I'll be right back with John Kaiser after the commercial break. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. 
Cornerstone Capital Resources is a prospect generator focused on joint venturing its highly prospective gold, silver, and copper projects in Ecuador and Chile. At its Cascabel Joint Venture in Ecuador, funded by partner Sol Gold PLC, hole five of an ongoing drilling program intersected over 1,300 meters, grading over six-tenths of a percent copper and over half a gram per ton gold. Cornerstone retains a 15% interest financed through to completion of a bankable feasibility study. Symbol CGP on the TSXV and CTNXF on the OTC. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, uh, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again John Kaiser. I just returned from a, a conference up in uh, Colorado, and, uh, and somebody remarked that John Kaiser has some of the most interesting uh, ideas out there in the junior mining space, and I would have to agree with that. John does bring some very good ideas, and we want to explore some of those with him. And I think the idea here is that, you know, if, uh, if you can find some technology or something that gives you an edge in finding minerals or in producing something, then obviously uh, your, your profit margins or your potential upside uh, gains can be much larger than if you're just sort of sticking to the uh, to the regular technologies, the regular ways of doing things. So John is a very a very innovative thinker and uh, someone I've learned to know over the years as a speaker at various conferences. Have a very high respect uh, for John and his work uh, over the years. And so uh, welcome, John. It's really good to have you with me again. Jay, it's a pleasure to be back. You know, before we get going, I neglected to jot down your website so that people can follow up on your work and subscribe to your letter. Tell our listeners what that is, your website. KaiserResearch.com, no hyphen, and uh, okay. we, we have a $100 a month uh, subscription package, which you can try out and see uh, if all the various services that we offer are of use to you. And they're very unique services too, I, I must say. And I, uh, you know, was on John's website earlier today, and I noticed uh, the sort of the model that you are, the way that you have of sort of uh, conveying to your subscribers the intensity uh, of your likes or dislikes for different companies. And I think it's it's very uh, very unique. It's not like you know, because you can say I recommend this, 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 and this, but how. How strongly do you feel about something? How strongly, uh, how positive or how negative are things? And, and I think you sort of convey that, the intensity of your uh, bullishness or bearishness more than, than most newsletters do. Uh, John, I want to get into some of the ideas that you have and some of the stocks that you have uh, recommended. But maybe before we do that, we can talk about some of the macro views. Uh, you're suggesting that uh, we're going to have the quantitative easing will come to an end. You really believe that's going to happen? 
Well, if you look at the way the American economy is plodding along, it shouldn't really end. But they have decided to do it, and I think it's necessary because uh, it's it's like an uh, it's an artificial stimulus. It has keeps the uh, market propped up. Uh, as long as the market's artificially propped up, businesses are going to sit on their cash and and and, and just use whatever cash they have to buy back their own shares. There is no belief out there that America is back on an organic growth track. And until the patient comes off the IV, there is no chance for a real recovery. Um, I think there is a chance that we will go back on QE in 2015 when mm-hmm. we see how well the patient works without the IV. Mm-hmm. Okay. In other words, how well the patient doesn't work without the IV, you mean? That, that's right. <laughs> if he keels over, they're going to yeah. say, oh, uh-oh. We took them off you the drip medication too soon. Yeah, yeah. you start hearing the uh, that, uh, that sound going off that there's a coronary arrest or something, and all of a sudden it's a code 14 or whatever they call it in various hospitals. Uh, all right, so you mentioned also, I mean, I, I think one of the probably the, the issues that most Americans aren't very focused on, but one that could be uh, have earth-shattering ramifications is the Scottish vote that's coming up, uh, I guess this week, right? Yes, uh, Friday. Friday, I think, is the vote, and uh, and it's it's now um, pretty close race as to what was assumed uh, a year ago to be just okay. We'll let them go do that. Uh, now, all of a sudden, the yes side has a chance of winning, and I think this will destabilize uh, uh, Great Britain's role in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, I saw some some statistics showing that the amount of oil that is uh, that is produced off the Scottish shores are, is very substantial. I don't know. I can't imagine that Britain would allow that to uh, to just give that up. So even if the if the race were to go in favor of the yes uh, for succession that um, uh, for seceding from Britain, that uh, the that the British would just you know would just take it. Would just allow that to happen. I mean, I can't imagine. I don't know the legal ramifications. I have you thought through this stuff at all? I mean, is it going? To, you you're saying that it could be very substantial in terms of uh, Britain's uh, economic well-being. Well, the, uh, the the Scots seem to have the the yes side seems to have the idea that they can uh, uh, take all the oil for themselves and stick uh, stick uh, England with uh, their pro rata share of the uh, accumulated debt. And that's mm. not how it's going to happen. Um, yeah. This is going to be, if it comes to a yes, it will be a nasty divorce, like all divorces end up. And there will be a period where everybody will be worse off. Uh, whether further down the road, Scotland flourishes as an independent country, uh, time, time will tell. Uh, the negative implication for England is that um, the group that wants to pull out of the Eurozone will... Uh, Will, will gain momentum too, and what we're seeing is potentially the uh, fragmentation of the whole eurozone into a whole bunch of uh, individual countries, which which may happen because Germany's obsession with austerity is preventing Europe from uh, gaining traction again, and so eventually it'll all split up and they'll all become a bunch of small com- 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 countries, leaving the United States as really the biggest Western company left on the street. Yeah, interesting. Well, we'll we'll see how that happens. Uh, you also, uh, in some notes to me, that you sent your your concerned uh, about the Russian sanctions and what that might mean for the uh, for the global economy. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I believe we are in a uh, 
a long-term trend of reversing the globalization trend of the past couple decades. Uh, I see the emergence of China as a challenge to American uh, dominance, uh, both militarily and economically. And all these sanctions being thrown around is a slippery path towards the end of free trade, of where, where everybody invents some sort of reason not to sell goods or accept goods from other countries. And it'll be interesting because globalization is part of the problem we have right now, where we have jurisdictions such as China, where you are allowed to dump uh, uh, pollution costs on the environment in a way that you're not in Europe and the United States, mm -hmm. where you have cheap labor that's willing to work for a lot less than elsewhere. And this has created an imbalance in, uh, in, in exports. So countries like China have a much better ability to export goods to higher-cost jurisdictions like Europe and the United States. And that's part of the malaise over here, because not everybody can become a software engineer or some other specialist. Uh, yeah. Ordinary people still need to do ordinary people in order to consume ordinary things. And I think this is the problem going forward, is what are all these young people who aren't uh, the top 10% going to do to earn the kind of fut to earn the kind of living that our generation has taken for granted, but which mm -hmm. is not so obviously available in the economy of the future. Mm -hmm. So if I hear what you're saying, you're say suggesting that, uh, that China has some very unfair advantages in the sense that they have uh, low-cost labor and they also uh, are able to get away with uh, costs to the environment uh, that the Western countries are not able to get away with and uh, that they are taking manufacturing jobs away, essentially, from the rest of the world, uh, those kind of jobs of which could provide middle-income uh, people with uh, sustenance, with a lifestyle that we have gotten used to. Have I summed up your argument? Yes. I mean, that has been the story for the past uh, couple decades, and, and it's also a reason why we do not have uh, the kind of inflationary inflation that everybody has been predicting, because uh -huh. there is no pressure on wages. Right. Everything can be done cheaper elsewhere, so wages here aren't rising, and this is why we're also seeing the uh, diminishment of the middle class mm -hmm. as a significant uh, component of the uh, of the economy. Mm -hmm. Well, what does this have to do then, John? Uh, you mentioned also uh, that we are not seeing uh, capital formation uh, for mining industry. Uh, what's the connection area, or if, if there is one? between these sort of macroeconomic, global macroeconomic um, issues. And, you know, clearly it's true that it's very difficult to raise capital in the sector that you and I are involved in, the mining sector. Well, well economic growth is driven by uh, either some sort of technological windfall, uh, uh, industrial revolution, the Internet revolution, uh, um, technologies and processes which uh, enable one to produce more with a lot, lot less. But the mm -hmm. other way is to have a credit expansion. You lend money to people to consume now and pay later. And what's yeah. missing right now in this country is the sense that this is still a growing country. We have the sense that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that is shrinking, that we mm -hmm. are a dying nation, that everything is getting smaller. And if you have capital, you don't really want to lend to anybody. You don't want to develop business and expand for a, a market that doesn't have the means to consume. So we are caught in this paralysis. 
And, and that's why my earlier comment is the end of quantitative easing will suddenly tell everybody, okay, curl up and die, or get going and start investing in a future for this country. And with mm-hmm. that will come jobs, and as soon as there's job security, there will come loans, and it becomes a virtuous circle. Right now, we have the reverse vicious circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a contracting circle, no question about it. Uh, but you've got to get to the point, it seems to me, where the middle class has some disposable income to get, to get uh, industry thinking about expanding again. How do you get there? Well, you, it, it's going to be tough, and uh, I know this is not a popular theme on, on your show, but uh, security of your, you know, your health care and so on mm-hmm. and, and, and your retirement, all these assumptions encourage people to spend now if those are if you can make a positive assumption in this regard. However, if we are heading into a world of, um, of austerity where we're going to cut back on services and, and throw people onto their own means in terms of uh, you know, taking care of their retirement or dealing with uh, escalating health care costs, uh, you are going to become a big saver. You are going to save your money and not invest it, not spend it. And it is this uh, growing fear that there is going to be nothing, at least at the state level, to take care of individuals down the road, which is further encouraging people to just, uh, you know, batten down the hatches and prepare mm-hmm. for a worse future. Yeah, well, there's no question about it. And, uh, of course, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but it seems to me that the inflation rate that is uh, that is talked about the government, and I agree with you that it has not gotten out of hand like a lot of people thought it would with all this money creation, but that the inflation rate is probably somewhat higher than what the government claims it is. I don't know if you're in agreement with that. That's my, my view. And that uh, if you really look at that, a higher inflation rate that, in fact, the middle class is worse off than the official statistics suggest. And so just for the mere purpose of survival, people are doing what you're saying they're doing. They're battening down the hatches. Yes, and, and the inflation, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're the shopper in your household, you can see, uh, well, this stuff costs the same, but the bags are smaller. The amounts are yeah. smaller. <laughs> that, that 20-pound bag of briquettes is now really only 16 pounds of briquettes. Exactly. And, yeah. and now we're starting to see the prices creep upwards. But again, this is more of a, a slingshot catch-up effect. It, it is nowhere near the type of a systemic inflation that people fear will uh, you know, become a runaway type situation. We, we just do not have the uh, wage pricing power to fuel that sort of inflation. And mm-hmm. the governments are not really printing money and, and, and distributing it to pay for stuff. Most of this money is going into buying buying back assets that have no value where the money was looted in the last decade and redistributed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that can't really have an inflationary effect. Now, if the banks started to lend aggressively at these low rates, then we could get an inflationary inflationary spiral going. But right mm-hmm. now, they are not prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're right about that. And the, the money is sitting in the banks primarily. Uh, and banks have been rewarded by given, uh, being given and paid for holding those reserves in the, uh, in the banking system. Well, I'd like to get on to some of your ideas here. Uh, Nevada Exploration is a company you've talked to us about before on this show. Um, 
talk to us a little bit about Nevada Exploration because that's one of a sort of a company that I that I associate with you because of its uh, proprietary or at least its its new way of uh, exploring for for gold. Talk to us a little bit about uh, for those who might not be familiar with this company. Tell the story to our listeners again and and where are they? How are they doing these days? You know, Nevada Exploration Inc. is is an example of how uh, no matter how hard you work how innovative you are. Um, in this current market climate, uh, it, it's very difficult to succeed. Uh, they have spent the past 10 years developing a uh, method for looking under the gravel cover of Nevada uh, for anomalies in the groundwater that indicate the presence of a gold deposit. And Nevada has has produced over 250 million ounces of gold, and another 100 million are sitting there waiting to be developed, uh, mainly from the edges of the basins or, or from where, where the, uh, the, the ranges outcrop. But because mm-hmm. of Nevada's peculiar geology, half of it has been dropped down and filled with gravel, and the deposits were all put in before this happened. So conceivably, another 300 to 400 million ounces of gold are sitting there waiting to be found. And this company developed it all with a capital raised from investors, has collected over 5,000 samples, knows of several dozen hot spots under the gravel. Barrick has now figured out how to do it, is starting to do it. Barrick, I think, is going to end up becoming the, the most important uh, gold company in the world because it will eventually find the missing gold. And this is going to be a great thing for the United States because there will be another 300 million ounces in the ground that can be gradually mined over the decades. Now, I would prefer that my little junior, uh, in which I own a fair amount of shares and which is now trading at 3 to 4 cents, we're the one to lead the charge in finding these deposits because you can imagine with a company that has a market cap of uh, $6 million dollars, if you start finding five, ten million ounce gold deposits in Nevada, in the United States, the most secure jurisdiction in the world, the impact on the stock would be extraordinary. But the mm-hmm. market is so negative on the prospect of a junior finding anything that they are being starved to death from lack of uh, capital inflows. No, it's uh, it's sad. It happens all too often in this industry, but uh, with this current market cap. So, uh, so what are you saying about Nevada exploration to your subscribers? Are you saying uh, put a few dollars in there, but don't go hog wild, or what? Well, the, the normal cycle that happens with these types of stories at the end of a you know very long four or five year bear market is that the company capitulates and does a rollback, and then. Mm-hmm. Powerful industry people come up and they refinance the company at a rock price and the old shareholders get squeezed down to 10% of the new company. And the new companies who benefit from all the accumulated work done, they end up with 90% of the equity and all of the upside. That is the one scenario that faces the company. The other is that some large entity with deep pockets will end up becoming the sugar daddy for this junior and bankroll a major program to build the ultimate map of Nevada and perhaps even farm in and drill those targets that, that look the juiciest. If, if they can shift the funding responsibility to a deep-pocketed company, one that, say, has a whole bunch of royalty income or, or, or capital that they really don't know what to do with, then this company would flourish and would not need a rollback. Mm-hmm. Well, but if Barrick is already there, or Barrick is already in Nevada, of course, are they are they uh, employing this technology there? 
So we believe, we know that they have figured out the protocols for assaying gold, and gold is very, very low-grade in, in water. It's very mm-hmm. tricky to do it. But they have the gold rush deposit, which currently stands at 15 million ounces, is completely covered by gravel, and is rumored to be have grown into the 25 to 40 million ounce range, which we'll, we'll mm. probably find out next January. And I think when that comes out and is official, um, that's when we'll see Barrick start to take off. And they, of course, are a big company, which doesn't need any little companies. So if they were smart, they would simply do a, a hostile bid at uh, 10 cents, buy out uh, Nevada Exploration Inc., take their database and start building from that. Instead, what they are doing is they're like an elephant plotting from one spot to another, slapping down claims in an area that might be prospective, doing the gold and groundwater sampling. If it kicks, they'll do the conventional data gathering and drill it. If not, they'll drop the claims and move on. And so they will, over the next five to ten years, plod from one spot to the next spot all the way through Nevada. And they'll get away with it because the mining industry is, uh, is so negative with regard to grassroots exploration that they really have no competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's the way it is. It's, um, uh, I mean, if you can, it, it, timing is everything in these things, uh, uh, John. And if you could uh, get a Nevada Exploration or the right company at the right time, you can make a fortune in the juniors, but it's, it's really difficult uh, to know for sure. A couple of other names I'd like to ask you about because we've talked about, you've talked about them before on the show, InZinc Mining Limited. Um, what are your thoughts about that? And maybe you could tell our listeners about that company because I think it's. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's it's one of your favorites. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, of the um, eight or ten stocks that I really like, this one has been amongst the best performers, rising from six cents to currently eighteen twenty cents. And they own a, a not world class, but a substantial zinc deposit in Utah, the most mining friendly state in the United States. And they've done a, a PEA, which suggests that uh, at 90 cents zinc, it is economic. And now zinc is at the dollar five, dollar ten level, and there is a growing interest in zinc because it is a metal for which there are no significant uh, Western mines coming on stream. And everybody has always assumed that the Chinese will have an infinite supply of zinc, and whenever the price rises, they will just turn it on and pour more zinc into the market. But zinc's ability to expand it, uh, China's ability to expand its zinc supply, I think, is coming to an end. Uh, they have been depleting the low-hanging fruit, and they are starting to introduce uh, pollution controls, shutting down all these very nasty small-scale operations. And they are also trying to consolidate the zinc industry so that it becomes more efficient. China used to be an exporter of zinc. Now it's a major importer of zinc concentrates as it shifts from an infrastructure build-up economy to a consumer-oriented economy. This will require more zinc for appliances, for, for cars that are properly galvanized rather than having their undercarriage spray-painted. So the demand is expected to rise for zinc even as global supply stagnates or possibly shrinks. So, so zinc is the one base metal where I can see a 50% upside move that is sustainable in the next three to four years. And InZinc is uh, well-positioned for this. They're in the process of raising money for a $3 million drill program. They want to find the limits of the deposit before they do the feasibility study because they want to scale the study to the, op- to, you know, to the maximum size of this deposit. 
Okay, and another one, uh, EMC, was another favorite of yours. How does that look now? EMC has raised about $1.8 million, which puts it about two-thirds towards the goal of raising $3 million that it needs to complete a feasibility study on its scandium deposit in New South Wales. I think this is the most exciting story out there. Hardly anybody knows about scandium, but the aluminum industry knows a lot about it. If you can bring a scalable supply of uh, scandium on stream, you transform the aluminum industry, uh, all the energy applications where they want lighter, stronger materials. They are, they, they, they are dying to have uh, scandium as the alloying input. Uh, the maximum you ever put into aluminum is 2%. Uh, uh, it has been a pipe dream or a holy grail for many decades to have scandium because the deposits that were known in the world were just too low grade. But in the last decade, substantially higher grade laterite deposits have been found in Australia's New South Wales, where it looks like we can scale production to from the current, you know, piddling 10 tons a year to 1,000 tons per year or more. This is a transformational metal which will make the future uh, um, lighter, stronger, more efficient. And EMC is the most advanced in pushing a, one of these new deposits uh, towards a production decision. Well, as you can hear, uh, folks, John Kaiser has some very interesting ideas. Uh, and I want to thank you, John. We're out of time already. Uh, so many more things I wanted to ask you about. A lot of companies that I cover in my newsletter, you also, I see cover like East Main, Canamex, Probe Mines, Midas Gold, GoldQuest and others, and uh, so but unfortunately the clock says we're out of time. So uh, I want to thank you very much, though, John, for being with me again and look to do it again sometime in the near future, hopefully. Yes, thank you, Jay, and as disclosure, I do own shares in Nevada Exploration, EMC, and Inzinc. Thank you, Thank Jay. you. For, okay, thank you very much for that disclosure, John. Well, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime very soon. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for the first hour of today's show, but there is a second hour aired exclusively at jtaylormedia.com. Joining me in the next hour will be David Jensen, who has some very interesting views on the potential replacement of the dollar as the world's reserve currency in light of events taking shape among the BRIC countries. and. With the major premia being paid in the physical markets for gold, silver, and platinum group metals in Shanghai uh, compared to the prices being paid in the paper markets uh, in London and New York. So don't waste any time. Uh, also, Chen Lin will be there, too. So don't waste any time. Go immediately to jtaylormedia.com uh, and listen to my discussion with those two gentlemen. That's it uh, for the first hour. I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. 